What's up, guys? Jared back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. Super good to be with you. Glad to have you. Before we dive into today's episode, I do want to thank my friends over at Backgate Prayers for sponsoring this episode. Backgate Prayers is this company that makes custom prayer cards um, for your kids. They're really beautifully made. They do What they do is they, they create these 20 really life-shaping, biblically-based prayer cards that have accompanying scripture references, uh, and then they're displayed. You actually hold them on this handmade wooden block so you can put them around the house. It almost acts as a decoration piece because they're so well-made. Uh, you send them a picture of your kids. They put your, the, the photo on these prayer cards. They put the scriptures on there and the prayers that you can pray. We actually have ours on a nightstand next to our bed, and we pray over our kids at night before we go to bed. They're just really, really cool cards. Um, there's a bunch of guys in the Dad Tired community who have actually bought these as presents for either for their wife or for their parents, um, and they're always a huge, huge hit. So if you're looking for like a super meaningful Christmas gift, definitely check out Backgate Prayer Cards. Uh, be sure to order no later than December 10th to get them in time for Christmas. So you're going to want to place your order like today. Go to backgateprayers.com, use the promo code DADTIRED10, and you'll get 10% off your whole order. Speaking of Christmas gifts, if you're a wife listening to this episode and you're looking for a great gift for your husband or maybe your kids, may I please suggest that you consider an electric bike from Swagtron. Uh, Swagtron actually sent me one of their folding electric bikes this week, and I've seriously been riding it uh, every single day with the kids. I call it my new dad whip. You've probably seen me riding it on my Instagram page. Uh, but these bikes actually go 15 miles uh, on a single charge. They can go up to 15 miles on a single charge and reach speeds of 18 miles per hour. They are very, very fun uh, for a dad, especially. Um, when you're done with the bike, you can actually just simply fold it up, put it in the trunk of your car, or store it uh, neatly in your garage. It doesn't take up very much space at all. Uh, as a dad who loves to go outside and play with my kids, I promise you this is going to be one of the most fun gifts you can get this Christmas. So if you're a wife looking for a gift for your husband or maybe some of your older kids or just a dad that wants to treat yourself, definitely pick up a Swagtron bike. Uh, you can go to swagtron.com. That's S-W-A-G-T-R-O-N.com and use the promo code DADTIRED and get 5% off your whole order. So this episode isn't specifically about being a husband or a dad, but it is about being a righteous man of God and being part of God's redemption here on earth, of being used by God to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have Don Brewster with me today, who is the president of Agape International Ministries, and he does a great job of really enlightening us to what's happening around the world when it comes to sex trafficking and how men can help be a part of seeing it come to an end. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Let's dive in. All right, Don, thanks so much for hanging out with us on the Dad Tired Podcast. Uh, for the audience that doesn't know you, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Sure. My name is Don Brewster, and uh, I lead a ministry in Cambodia called AIM, and our focus is uh, fighting human trafficking with a focus on uh, child sex trafficking. Uh, we work in, really, there's four areas in fighting trafficking, and we, we work in all four, uh, prevention, rescue, restoring those who are rescued, then reintegrating them as healthy Christian 
young women and really to become part of an abolitionist movement within their country. Wow. And how long have you been doing that? Almost 14 years. Wow. So I want to hear specifically about uh, what you guys are doing at AIM. Um, But before we do get into that, I'd love to hear from your perspective, how big is the sex trafficking, child trafficking problem worldwide as you know it? Okay, well, you know, the numbers can lead you all over the place. And we're talking billions of dollars. Uh, Second largest crime, income producing crime. Uh, is sex trafficking. And sadly, there's been much effort put into fighting trafficking. Uh, You know, thousands of people involved in millions of dollars. Yet there's there's only very few small spots of success. And and if you take a look at the last decade, if you take a look, say, at the uh, statistics from our State Department, the TIP report, um, sadly, it's it's still growing, and uh, that's in spite of great effort being made by many people on many fronts. So often, like, I've watched documentaries on this problem. Obviously, we've heard about this problem, read arg- articles on this, um, and for many people, it feels paralyzing. The information feels paralyzing. Like, I don't even know where to begin uh, and, and trying to be used by God to, to make a dent in this. How did you um, start to get into this on a real practical level? me. We were, uh, I was on staff at a church in uh, Roseville, California, and actually went uh, on a trip to the Philippines and uh, Cambodia doing leadership training with pastors. Uh, and when we were in Cambodia, uh, we were, uh, that was about 16 years ago, and it was still quite a mess as far as roads and all that go. We were in 14 provinces in 10 days and spoke literally to thousands of people and we're asking them what are major problems within the country, and never once did uh, child sex trafficking come up. And so, we, actually, we didn't see that as an issue while we were there. The trip was pretty tough, to be honest. And my bride uh, said when we we're getting on the plane, "Thank God we never have to come back here again." Uh, but God changed her heart immediately because we were home just a few days from that trip when there was a, uh, I think it was a Dateline special children for sale in Cambodia. And it was focusing mm. in on this. And uh, uh, it really hit us. You know, we were in some of the areas that they were talking about. And there were probably kids that uh, Bridget, my wife, uh, who spent most of her time working with the kids, uh, probably some of those kids were traffic victims themselves. And so we we felt God was calling us to do something. And what we, our first response was to bring a team of experts back to Cambodia, analyze uh, and research what's going on and what are the greatest needs. And uh, after doing that, it, at that time, the greatest need was uh, quality aftercare. So we put together a proposal and there were you know, anybody with any real experience at that time. So we did the best we could to come up with a solid plan for aftercare for these kids that were being rescued. And uh, after uh, uh, getting it put together, we brought it before some people in our church who were interested in possibly um, going to Cambodia and setting up this aftercare. But 
when it was all said and done, there were no takers. And God finally made it clear to us that uh, he was tapping us on the shoulder. And that's how we mm-hmm. got there. That's incredible. So can talk me through how it, how your wife's heart changed in that. Was it that, that Dateline episode? Yeah, and it was, I mean, she, yeah, she, she'll probably yell at me when she hears the, uh, this. <laughs> but um, she, you know, we loved the children when we were there. And it was great. But there was a... There was really a heaviness, uh, a spiritual battle going on there. And it was such a difference from the Philippines. Um, mm-hmm. And so that darkness weighed heavy on her. And uh, mm-hmm. and so but it, as soon as as soon as she saw what the the, pro, the problem of sex trafficking, again, immediately got worked in her heart. And she was like, we have to do something. We've got three kids and seven grandkids or granddaughters, 12 grandkids. Uh, And uh, so she was all on board. And then when uh, we couldn't find someone else to go, uh, it was clear to both of us uh, that God was calling us to go together uh, and to get started. Thinking about you saying that. When, as you guys were getting on the plane to head out, that she said, thank God we're, we're never having to come back here again. And and mainly due to that heaviness that you're talking about. I've heard before that, you know, obviously this is hard to measure, but it seems as if our wives can sometimes be more sensitive to what's happening in the spiritual realm than us men uh, and kind of sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that that, um, if your wife is just, um, has a gauge in her soul of what's going on kind of subconsciously in the spiritual realm, that that probably would weigh really heavy and, and you'd probably think, man, I don't, I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, uh, the Holy Spirit then begins to work in her heart as soon as she gets home. That's a, that's a cool story. Yeah, yeah. So, can you tell me about like the, how do you go about when you're in country, um, what does it look like practically to take a girl out of the sex trafficking movement? How do, how do you rescue them? Well, we actually have a SWAT team Wow. Uh, I think we're, I'm quite sure we're the only NGO uh, worldwide that has a SWAT team. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a long story, but the short of it is there was, there was great difficulty in having successful raids, ending up in rescues of children and prosecution of uh, the perps. Um, and, uh, we came up with this idea, God gave it to us that if we could get the, we could put together a SWAT team that could, would work in conjunction with the Cambodian anti-trafficking police, uh, that together, uh, there would be the opportunity for success. And, uh, the question was, could we get that approval, uh, you know, the, to, um, First of all, they get approval to have that SWAT team and work in conjunction with the police, uh, which we thought was going to be very difficult. But God laid the way, and it was actually very simple. As a matter of fact, when I met with the general over anti-trafficking to make the proposal, he was reading it, and I was prepared to fight because I knew he wouldn't approve it. You know, yeah. it is, And when he got done, he just said, okay, let's do it. Wow. And, and I, yeah, I was confused. I was almost angry, like, hey, I've got a lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, prepared. Here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, so we work together and we're able, there's uh, resources um, that the police lack. 
uh, and we're able to work with uh, law enforcement agencies here um, in the states, actually around the world. Um, and we have partnerships with uh, other organizations like OUR to come in and do training and, and provide equipment for the, uh, the team of anti-trafficking, Cambodian anti-trafficking police that work with us. And we have uh, actually a uh, former uh, uh, detective from Scotland who leads our team. Uh, so he brings a great level of expertise. And if anything, we've been a little, they've been a little too successful. Uh, hmm. What do you mean? Yeah, we, we, you know, once they, they're rescued, there needs to be restoration and reintegration. And we, yeah. can, we can get jammed up that way. But, you know, we're looking at, uh, in less than four years, over a thousand rescues. Wow. And uh, hundreds, hundreds of perps. Uh, arrested, uh, all in prison today. Wow. Some some of them convicted, and some of them still waiting trial. But uh, God, it's been has blessed that effort uh, in so many amazing ways. And um, our relationship uh, with the police continues to grow. And um, you know that we become an effective team. Is are the uh, is the SWAT team Cambodians or is it? Uh, you said you had to uh, get detected from Ireland. Or who's it made up of? Yeah, our SWAT team is is all Cambodians except uh, um, our guy Eric from um, Scotland. Everyone else are oh, Cambodian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, everyone else are Cambodians, and that would include you know we have everything from investigators. We have a staff of social workers that are involved with the uh, girls immediately when a raid takes place. We have a legal team that actually represents the uh, the girls through the trial, and that's part wow. of the reason of the high uh, success rate. But one of the awesome things is um, one girl, a uh, former victim, uh, who was part of our program, went uh, – went in we have and part of our reintegration is we have employment centers girls can work in cool. uh, and she went to work in the employment center but studied at nights to become a social worker and today she's a social worker on the SWAT team wow yeah so when she goes in I mean she she doesn't say I I, I understand maybe or I I can feel what you feel she she knows and she yeah. has been highly highly effective we're actually there's two uh, two former victims that went through our program that are now uh, SWAT social workers modern day abolitionists wow how how old are we talking for these girls when they're being rescued how how old are the girls the girls can range and i mean we sometimes they're very young um you know, when we're uh, less than 10 years old. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but the the largest percentage are early teens, you know, 13 mm. to 15 years old. But uh, and, you know, when we do a raid, we're also there's also uh, women, you know, they're again, they're not in most cases, they would be uh, the oldest would be in their 20s, but somewhere mm. 18 to 25 and uh and we provide opportunities for them as well, but it's, um, 
because they are adults, it is a voluntary, it's voluntary program where the children actually, we become legal guardians of the children as they enter into our program. Once they're rescued, they come into your program. How many girls right now are in the program and, and are they being housed there? What, what's happening within the program itself? Uh, we had three, uh, what we call aftercare homes. Um, and between the three of them, we have just uh, just over a hundred girls right now. Wow! Wow! And uh, yeah, they it's you know again we have uh, just a great Cambodian staff, uh, highly committed Christians, well trained. Um, that God is using to to bring real restoration to these girls. I mean, reintegration. We have we have six girls reintegrated to the United States. Hmm. Uh, one uh, will in December graduate with a degree in psychology from a Christian university. So cool! Uh, yeah, uh, three are married. Wow. Two, two, uh, two of the three have children. Wow! Uh, yeah, and uh, all, all except one has been back to Cambodia and served uh, in the ministry. And uh, not only is that you know it's a great. Uh, it's a great, they're, inspir- they're an inspiration as far as the heart they have, but they're also an inspiration to the girls to see that in spite of everything that's happened to them and what the culture might think about their value after what's happened to them, uh, God can make a way and restore them in such amazing ways like these young women. Is it dangerous for both the girls and for you as a ministry there? It can be. Uh, in other words, um, so like our SWAT team, they have bulletproof vests and they have weapons. And you know, one of our donor churches, when we needed, when we got a permission so quick for the SWAT team, we didn't have funding for it. And so uh, uh, one of our donor churches did a Bullets for Jesus uh, campaign uh, to help fund the uh, the, the SWAT team. That said, we've, we've not fired our weapons in uh, any of the raids, although we've had to take weapons from others. But yeah, I just <clears throat> so, sorry to interrupt you again. I just yeah, uh, yeah. I was I was just imagining that. It, I mean, for them, I imagine that for the for the the people who are involved in this trafficking, uh, that it's a business, and you're taking away business assets from them, and that that you know affects their their pocketbook. Uh, and and so I, I just wondered if they came back or if they looked for these girls or how that worked. Uh, in some cases, uh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to overstate that because in general, when we started this SWAT team, we're arresting people at the lowest level, hmm. right? And and uh, and we're. And we're, we're having great success for those girls and arresting those perps. But as we go up the crime ladder, that's really where danger starts being uh, more prevalent. Yeah. Because you can go down, go in and shut down a brothel. But if you're able to go higher up to the next level, you're able to shut down multiples of brothels and begin putting down uh, imprison people with more power, and that can become more dangerous, you know, as we're progressing up that ladder, so to speak. Yeah. But again, we've never we've never had uh, we get threats periodically, but we've never had any uh, 
when actually take any action. Hmm. Shifting gears a little bit here, I um, I'm currently writing a book for the the community of Dad Tired, and uh, I'm actually in the middle of writing a chapter this week about how living um, in the kingdom, being citizens in the kingdom, should never be boring. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are just bored, and the, the, one of the arguments I'm making in this particular chapter is that uh, if we're seeing ourselves uh, living on mission for the sake of expanding God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, uh, that's not boring. <laughs> and uh, right. and, and uh, if we're being used by the Holy Spirit, um, we should just never be bored. Um, for guys who are... They, they've maybe they're hearing this they're hearing that you know there's there's girls being rescued um from sex trafficking um god's obviously moving throughout the world and yet they kind of feel stuck and like um you know i'm just serving on sundays <laughs> maybe i'm a greeter on sunday mornings at my church and uh that's about as adventurous as the kingdom looks for me or maybe they're not even doing that and they just can't even imagine like serving god as as an adventure uh, being used by God, I guess for somebody like you who has said yes to the call to step out in faith and to step into some really big areas to be used by God, what would you tell a guy who's just feeling like, man, I, I want to be used by God. I want to, I want to step into faith and I don't even know where to begin. Well, here, let me, <laughs> let me make a, uh, a plug, it's something that won't be boring, but would take great courage yeah. and you can do it without leaving home. And let me preface it by what the, a little bit about, you know, I mentioned earlier that very few areas are really having a substantial or meaningful impact in reducing trafficking, right? And uh, all the things that are being done, prevention, rescue, restoration, reintegration, all those things are good. There's good laws that have been passed, Right. Uh, to um, from a prevention standpoint. But really, most of those laws and most of the prevention being done in the world today is protecting the vulnerable. And the real issue is demand. Mm-hmm. Right. And in demand uh, for trafficking, sex trafficking is fueled greatly by pornography. Mm. Um, the church, Christian men, are no different. The Barna research shows that the Christian church, even pastors, are really no different than the, the world at large. Right. In other words, right? So it's, it's, but what people don't see, what, what I don't think men and I think church leaders necessarily recognize, they may see the, downs- the harms of pornography on individual marriages but the sexualization of our culture that's in part fueled by pornography, when a, when a man uh, uses pornography, first he engages a prostitute. In other words, the woman that he's watching is being paid to have sex. So he's engaging the prostitute. Mm. Tons of research shows that, that um, pornography and its use fuels the sex trafficking and sexual exploitation of women and children globally. Mm. Again, there's um, Melissa Farley is a well-known researcher that has tons of stuff uh, explaining the direct connection. There's a connection to organized crime. 
that when you engage in pornography, organized crime is, is, is involved there. And so as a Christian man, uh, and I don't think most men recognize it, that's what they're doing. When they, when they turn on the, whatever device they use and go to a porn site, they're actually fueling sex trafficking around the world. And the church in general has not done anything to stop that. In other words, hasn't brought that to the attention. Uh, it hasn't been preached from the, by the lead pastor from the pulpit. Right. right? And, and frankly, if you're a guy that's struggling with that, in many churches, if you were to come forward, you you deal with guilt and shame, and if you're a pastor, you'll probably be fired. Right. But it's 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 courageous. You're a hero if you will step up and say you need help. Mm. Um, and so, a way a guy can get involved that takes great courage to the day is to begin that. Uh, uh, begin the fight uh, within the church against pornography because while you could look at Christian men being involved in pornography as uh, horrific and, um, and look in a condemning way, but the, the truth is uh, because there are so many, it's a, maybe the greatest hope hmm. in reducing it. In other words, uh, the church is a global organization or network of churches it's globalized it's uh there's no question that christian men uh that true believers they they know that pornography and and uh is is wrong uh, what they what there needs to be is a call uh to men to begin to stand up and fight to bring this issue before other men now, you're writing a book. I happen to be writing a book right now as well uh, on, on this very issue. Mm. And um, the, the, um, and it needs to be, you know, it, there needs to be the involvement of the entire church on different levels. And if, if the senior pastor is to bring this up as an issue, there needs to be resources for actually the whole family. Right. That, that are going to need to be involved. But today, a Christian man could begin that issue with his friends. He could, he could make them aware uh, of just what happens when they watch pornography and begin, begin a movement within their, his community, his church community, uh, to get men involved, because very few men get involved in the fight against uh, uh, sex trafficking. They don't see many areas that they can get involved in. But here's one. Again, you, 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 can, you, you don't have to leave your home. You can talk with your neighbors about it, but you can begin um, to make a tremendous difference in the lives of women and children around the world simply by getting more and more men to stop watching porn. When that demand drops, uh, it impacts women and children around the world. Hmm. Hmm. Are there? Do you know of some practical resources? If a guy is hearing this right now and he's either struggling with an addiction to pornography or he's feeling like, man, I want to start speaking up against this. I want to be a voice that God can use in my church or in my community of guys. Um, where where would he begin? 
Uh, well, there's there's uh, a number of resources uh, that are available, and I'm actually in the process of evaluating those resources. So I'm a little hesitant. Okay. Yeah. Premature. <laughs> to yeah. In, yeah. Right, to endorse them. However, what I can say is that on our website, we actually have some uh, tools. If you go to uh, uh, our website and there's a, uh, you can click on 22, which is the story of what happens to a girl when she's uh, been trafficked for just 22 days. And there's actually some resources that you can use to begin conversations. Men can use to begin conversations on this issue. But uh, again, I'm a little bit hesitant. Only in, And I believe there's, multiple good organizations that can help. Yeah, we, we, we've promoted a lot on, here on the podcast. I was just curious if you had some of, you, of your own that you really liked. Um, tell us your website so that the guys can head over there and learn more. Sure, it's agapewebsite.org. Agape? Yep. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, specifically, are there ways that uh, we can support your ministry? Sure. Well, of course... Uh, of course, prayer is uh, prayer is essential in what we do because we are fighting evil, uh, and um, and so we always are looking for prayer. Uh, frankly, there's there's all nonprofit organizations like us are always looking for additional funding uh, to help with operating expenses, and you know we're. Uh, we're always open to that, and there's the ability to give into an area that you have a specific uh, heart for, whether it be a SWAT team or it be the restoration of a girl. The, um, there's plenty of options, and again, on our website, we show those. Um, and then there's opportunities you can see there to serve, you know, and, and we, we get about 40 teams a year serving in wow. Cambodia. Wow. And unlike many organizations, uh, we have specific things you can do. So we're in, and they're very, very helpful. So uh, sending a team, uh, we also uh, have uh, uh, volunteers. We have 30, I think it's 34 today, expat volunteers. Uh, they commit to, uh, oh, it's rare, but it can be as little as six months, but normally two years, um, and uh, raise their own funds. Uh, but they w- use their skills uh, and their Christian maturity to help build up the Cambodian staff. Today, we have about uh, almost 500 Cambodians on staff, as oh well gosh. as the 34 uh, expats. So, wow. Yeah, so you can you can come and be a part of that, and uh, and we would uh, we'd love to have you. So the website can hook you up with all those ways to pray, ways to get involved, uh, both uh, locally and and in Cambodia, and ways to support financially uh, different parts of the programs we have going. If if Dad Tired was to organize a little team to go over there, what would be the ideal team size, and what could you imagine? What would a team like that do to be helpful? There? So the uh, we like to say a team no larger than twelve. Okay. Uh, we flex on that sometimes, depending on uh, leadership is the issue. Frankly, right? The, the uh, so if there's uh, a leader that has some experience. Uh, 
in overseas um, ministry that makes it much easier and we can look at going a little larger. But actually, we the team, what we do is when there are a team of people that are uh, that have a heart to come and serve, we take a look at their uh, experience, um, uh, some of their education, and what their desire would be, something they'd like to do. And we kind of, um, kind of, we, uh, we personalize uh, the work for the team. And uh, we can do this because uh, the needs are so diverse. In other words, it can be anything from helping to rebuild a home uh, or do some other light construction work type things, uh, all the way to uh, uh, doing discipleship uh, with uh, some Cambodian staff. We actually have some teams who put on a, um, uh, a little spiritual retreat for parts mm-hmm. of our program there. So others work with children, use uh, maybe teach classes. So it's really diverse. If you've got the heart, to serve, uh, we can put, provide some meaningful stuff for you to do. Hmm. All right. Well, I will, I'll leave that out there. We, we've got uh, hundreds of thousands of listeners to this podcast. So if, if that resonates with you as a listener, uh, send me an email at hello at dadtired.com and we can dream together about maybe going and serve uh, over with Don and what he's doing in Cambodia. Don, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and, and giving us a glimpse of how God's using you. Uh, and, and the ministry there. Um, we'll continue to pray that God continues to expand his kingdom there. And uh, yeah, man, I just really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome, Ben. My pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in Cambodia. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye now. 